Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the newly announced raid level scaling in the Bungie blog. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Come on in, join the conversation in the Q&A. If you're watching on YouTube, hit and like and subscribe is an easy way to help me out. So I heard this as a rumor slash kind of with a like whisper leak about them doing some type of scaling in the new raid as a way to make it a more fair fight. And I've got to say... I was excited at the prospect, and then when I read the details of it, Luke Smith wrote his own blog post explaining how this was going to work and the thoughts behind it. I was very, very excited. I'm going to read to you how it's going to work, the thought process behind it. I couldn't be more pleased. Hopefully, this is this comes into play uh, even more in the future, since this is something they can add as a as a as a modifier. Uh, it kind of makes sense they can add it as a modifier, since we actually, before doing this talk, we tested the scaling in a nightfall to see how it would feel. Um, and definitely wanted uh, to do that before getting into the talk. And if you're here live right now and you're one of the persons who did a tip or a sub, I did miss a pretty big tip. I'll thank you after. I am sorry about that Nova Doctrine. I'll read your message and everything after the video. I, 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 miss, I missed it. So I'm going to go through and read what exactly is happening with the scaling. Then after I read that, I want to give you my thoughts on why it's a great decision. But then I also want to talk about a more ideal situation. I, f- I feel like we're, we're almost perfect, but not quite yet. We're really close to being perfect. So this is directly from Luke Smith. When Crown of Sorrow goes live in June, uh, here is what to expect. With Contest Active, there's a modifier called Contest that will be active basically, I think, with like what they said, like the first 24 hours or, or until the raid is beat. While it's active, players will face an enforced challenge throughout the raid. This means power beyond certain levels will provide no advantage for a given fight. For example, the first fight, all power above 700, will not provide an advantage, okay? So when you go into the first encounter, if you're 715, you're not going to have an advantage over somebody who's 705 or 700. It's going to treat everybody as if they're 700. Now, if you're under 700, that will be a disadvantage. But as long as you're at 700 or above, you're all treated equally, Conversely, similarly, I should say, for the final fight, anything over 720 does not provide an advantage. So if you're 720 and I'm 726, we're seen as equals in that fight. I'm not going to do more damage than you. I'm not going to be considered above 720. I'm viewed as 720. Again, if I'm 715, that will have its own delta disadvantages. I'll be doing less damage and taking more damage. But as long as I get to 720... I'm viewed as 720, and so is the guy who had better RNG than me. Now, this doesn't negate RNG. Let's let's be clear. You could still fall further below certain deltas in certain fights. Like, if you get to the second fight, and it treats everybody as being 710, and you're at 705, you're going to be treated as if you're at 705. So bad RNG is still going to play a part, but at the very least, good RNG isn't going to necessarily give you a significant advantage over others. You're going to get capped by every encounter. Essentially, what this is doing is you're always, at the max you can be, you will be treated as if you are 15 power levels before below the encounter. So we went into a nightfall, we set myself... 15 power levels below 540 and everything had a little sword not a skull everything had a little sword 
It wasn't that bad. It was manageable. It definitely was a little spongy and I was dying a little bit quicker. I wasn't getting one shot and I was even dealing with elemental shields which are less likely to show up in such high saturation in raids as they do in Nightfall. So we even tested that aspect of it out. After the 24-hour period ends, we will disable contests and restore the power raid relationships to its usual functionality. Then players will be able to leverage their power to overcome the raid's challenge. If this experiment goes well, we can imagine future raids launching with contest active, but first, we want to see how it plays out. Okay, we'll be watching and cheering you on. Thanks, Luke Smith. So... To be clear, before I start praising it and saying this is a great decision, I still want to say this doesn't fix leveling. Like, you can still get bad RNG and go into this raid. Like, let's say you go into the raid at 710, okay? And somebody else goes into the raid at 716 because they had better RNG than you. That's still going to play a part because their drops are going to be higher than yours, which means they're going to hit, they're going to be more likely to hit the 720 delta before the end, and you're less likely to hit that 720 delta, which still puts you at a, at a disadvantage, okay? So RNG is still playing a part. This is why I don't want to I don't want to just praise it and act like there's still no flaws in the leveling and there's still no flaws in this system. This is a step in the right direction. We've been asking for a, a global cap or an enforced delta to make things more fair and this is a step on that path. Okay? This is a step on that path. So I do want to say this is a great decision. After hearing that they're going to do the 6-hour, you know, prep launch window this is at least some good news for people that want a more fair race i've been saying things like this since wrath of the machine so seeing them finally come up with a way to enforce a more fair approach to worlds first is really exciting okay i was like man oh man i can't believe they're doing this when when it got kind of leaked to me that they were going to be doing something like this and announcing something like this i got pretty excited at the prospect because we've been asking for this for a very very long time even after scourge of the past Giggs got world first, him and his team got world first. Even after that, Giggs said that a global cap and some sort of standardized delta system would be preferable. Even after winning worlds first, he saw the flaws in it. So that I think that, that adds some credence to the argument. It still feels like bad systems and leveling are being kind of overlooked and glossed over. Six hour prep, everybody's going to be blitzing and racing, everybody's hoping there's some power surge quest now that you have to do in order to get into the raid. We're all hoping that quest is very, very short. But this is making the best of a bad situation, okay? Every time these raids have come out with this leveling system in place, with RNG and milestones and fusion costs, etc., those are pain points that make the race pretty frustrating for people who are on the bad end of RNG. This is making the best of a, of an, of a not-so-great situation. Now, I will say... I still think they could move the launch window because this seems to be a perfect solution for the week to week and a half launch window. The week to week and a half launch window would give more people a chance to basically get to these deltas. And if you get to 720, you're equal to every other team that goes in. Every team that goes into this raid at 720 would be equal then because you're never going to have an advantage over another team. Never. And I mean never have an advantage over another team. You're all equal. You all have the exact same structure of damage and how much damage you take. There'd be no question about it. There still could be teams that go in on this day and they're at a detriment because of bad RNG. So, ideal situation. This is my suggestion to Bungie for the future raid. Or raids beyond this. 
This solution seems like a perfect fit for the old raid launch window. You got a week and a half, you get one reset, grind your face off, try and get as leveled up as you can, but if you get significantly higher than somebody else, this is kind of your target level. 720, you know, is your target level and a week and a half. Now, the longer you give people, the more opportunity there is for RNG to course correct itself. I still am going to be a big proponent of better leveling, more more intentional, more directional leveling than the RNG system we have now. But if they're going to keep the RNG system, I would say take this contest modifier and combine it with the old launch window the small window i think is going to potentially compound bad rng because if you get a run of bad rng you've only got six hours there's no coming back from that if you get a bunch of bad drops in a row you don't have another reset you don't have another week you don't have another couple days to course correct that bad rng it could be compounded by the fact that you know 716 is really the goal because once you're at 716 you're basically 720 so if you can get to 716 you're going to be basically equal with everybody else the whole entire raid so that's the goal everybody should be aiming for is 716 a longer window I think is going to allow for more people to get into the 716 720 window at the very least they could push it back to Friday if it got pushed back to Friday season launches on Tuesday go through the quest do all your leveling all three characters grind like an insane person between Tuesday and Friday then everybody goes in is probably exactly equal I, I would guarantee almost every team would go in at 716 to 720 and that would be in my mind the absolute perfect system with this so I am I am ecstatic that they made this this change i'm glad that luke smith is the one who delivered the message and spoke directly to the community and said this is a way that we feel is going to level the playing field i would say they need to do this going forward this also i think gives some ground to the to, to the criticism that we don't have hard mode anymore this would be a great way to give them the ability to launch a hard mode and and then land add the contest multiply a modifier and give people that level playing field to try to complete hard I still think we need to go back to the King's Fall days where they design hard first and then scale it down for normal that could be really really good so after it's all said and done if you don't understand delta scaling basically what it is is if they're higher level than you by a certain amount they do more damage to you and you do less damage to them so 15 light level below you're going to see swords and it's not I don't think it's going to be that bad as we tested it out in the nightfall so if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play Spotify or watching on YouTube you can always catch me live twitch.tv slash say no to rage that's with all my content I appreciate you liking and listening please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the new raid level scaling that Bungie announced. I'm very pleased with it. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now. You can also hit the subscribe and like button on YouTube. That's an easy way to support what I do. So I basically said I'm I'm glad they're doing this. I think the situation could be a little bit better still. I still want to see leveling made a little bit more streamlined, and I think the launch window could be a little bit longer, and it would pair really well with this. But it's a step in the right direction and having a lot more of a fair environment for day one. So let's just jump right into the questions. Uh, Glockstrap. With the new information on Max Light, if you aren't 720 by the time it drops, wouldn't you continue to grind to 720, or is it not going to make a difference compared to 716? 
as far as I know, the difference between 716 and 720 is very minimal. There are differences, but it's not that noticeable. Aiming for 716 is basically the goal. Now, if you hit like 713, you're probably better off just going into the raid because you're going to get drops from the early encounters that'll probably bump you to 716. And if the first encounter is going to treat you like you're 700 anyway, uh, and it's a 715 environment. So you're going to go in and see swords in the first encounter the entire time. Uh, Mysterial Fate, thank you for using your Prime sub. Welcome. So, I would say, you know, just get as close to 720 as possible and then jump in. Waiting to get higher power level is just probably a fool's errand because if there's other teams that go in that hit 716, 717, or whatever, they're going to get to the end and be good to go. They're also going to get drops during. Uh, if they hit 710 and they just buck it up, suck it up, and jump in, um, they're they're gonna be uh they're gonna be ahead of you right they're they're gonna be ahead of you and you're probably not gonna catch up just because you like waited um and got a little bit higher uh level so i would say just jump in right away if you're trying to be in the race and just accept your fate but RNG is still going to play a part. I just hope most people can hit 716 so then it's not even a question. If everybody lands in the high 7 in the high teens, close to 20, then there'll be no really there'll be hardly any difference between the teams. In past raids, there were big differences between the teams, and that's what made a lot of the criticism come to come to light. Uh, Finbear, how do you think the scaling for the first 24 hours will affect the raid feeling? and difficulty for worlds first I went into a nightfall and I set myself 15 power level below so I was 525 and it was a 540 environment everything had a sword above it and I felt like it was appropriate it didn't feel ridiculous it didn't feel ludicrous I think we got into trouble in last wish because like two or three people would see swords and two or three people would see skulls and it was just like the whole team was kind of all over the place So again, my hope would be most teams jumping in day one can just see swords the whole time. We're all on a level playing field. The problem was is in Last Wish, I'm seeing swords, my buddy's seeing skulls, and the teams that are ahead of us didn't see swords and skulls until they got way later because they had better RNG or they prime Ingram farmed off stream. We all know what happened. No shade, but people did that. And... You know, so the, 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 the difference was palpable. It was like, oh my gosh, they, they got to be significantly stronger in some of these early challenges. And so I would say, I would say this is the way to do it going forward. And it's going to have that, it's always tough. There's no getting past it being tough. You just, it's tough. It's everything's a sword, no matter how high you are. Uh, Wolf Warrior with half a year. Thank you so much, dude. That's a purple badge. Thank you for six months. Uh, Dat, uh, Dat, oh, I'm sorry, Dan says, is there really any difference with raid scaling first 24 hour teams who can truly compete for worlds first continually and chemistry, in my opinion, doesn't bother me, your thoughts? Well, I mean, this is the entire thing we've been saying. I want team one, two, and three, whoever wins first, second, and third, what should be, differentiate those teams is who figured stuff out the fastest and then overcame those things the fastest, who came up with good strategy. If team, if team A figures out how to beat the encounter, they know the mechanics, but team L has a better strategy. If we stand here and use a well and tether and blah, 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 and they beat it faster, they figure out a better strategy, that team 
deserves to win, right? It's a hive mind. Everybody shares the mechanics. Everybody, sh- like, th- since you can watch everybody play, that's not cheating for another team to learn from another team. But the reason that that is totally legitimate is because then it's a question of who had the thought and the foresight and the planning strategy skill and awareness to say this is a better strategy or maybe you just didn't die maybe one team just keeps dying why not because they're overly delted and you're not but because they're making mistakes you know if i'm seeing skulls and you're not seeing anything because you had better rng than me of course i'm gonna die more than you that's ludicrous right like so th- this is i think really going to put an on display the team that wins is going to be undoubtedly the team that figured out the best plan forward I just would prefer then a longer window of launch so more teams are able to get to the 720 and then there's just a bunch of people in there racing day one instead of it being such a small selection of teams I get it but I just think it'd be cooler if it you know I, I don't know I, just, I would just love to see random no names win Nobody knows who they are. I know that's not as good and not as celebratory because you can't tweet and send them cool stuff and have them tweet and everything else. Uh, Dagnabbit Ben. One thing I always miss about the identity of raiding is that it was a legit... It was the legit end game of end game of PVE. You got max power pre-raid, then the raid was the next level of gear to go for. With how this new raid announcement seems to be, it's like the raid is the starting of the new PVE journey. Uh, well, no, no, um, but was curious your thoughts on the idea and the identity. Our team Mayday was 16 months. Welcome back. Back from hiatus came to Lono first. My devotion is inevitable. (laughs) Thank you, RT. Um, here's the thing. Like, I don't think this is like the beginning of the PVE journey because it's a temporary thing. The raid is still going to be endgame content. There's still, I I would say, 95% of the community is still going to just spend time leveling up and waiting to to, to touch the raid. And even, even inside of the percentage of people that do the raid, they're still a minority. I think most of the community just wants stuff to do, stuff to grind, loot to chase, and I think Opulence is going to offer a significant amount of stuff. If it doesn't, and it's basically a raid in a horde mode, that obviously won't go over very well. I don't think that's going to be what they do. This, this season needs to be a home run. Larry Morrow, do you think raids would be better if you had to reach a certain power level to start the raid? Then the enemies would just scale to you like in Gambit. So you would never be under or over leveled. The challenge will always be the same and you would only get better by mastering the encounters. Um, th- see, this is why I think having normal hard and challenge mode was such a good spectrum because it was like there was always a tier that you could go up. But then obviously you get to the place where you get to the place where you're you're stronger than the raid, right? Now, if you go back to my conversations about difficulty spectrum, this could play a part. You could say you always, if you want, can ramp up the 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 raid to your power level and enjoy it being really, really difficult or something. Like being harder than when you're above the power level. And then maybe you could tie bounties to that and a loot pursuit to that so there's like a different version of the raid that you select as the player that you you know you as a team decide uh, to go in and do that so I would I would think your idea is it is fine but I think if they're gonna do this they would need to go back to where there's a normal a hard and a challenge and then you could even call it like adept 
the adept version of the raid would literally be a 750 encounter beginning to end and you would you would go in at 750 and feel like it is tough it is brutal the whole time you could even go in at 750 and it would actually be 765 the whole time so you are always seeing swords beginning to end as you're saying to maintain that day one intensity but that would be your choice and you would want to tie a pursuit to that people aren't going to do that just because there's something fun about feeling stronger and more efficient in a raid and if there's a loot pursuit tied to that then I think that would kind of combine the two things of being like we're really good at this we've, we've gotten this down even though there's swords and there's a loot pursuit reason to raise the difficulty Ness 2430 do you think Bungie is using the new raid as a test to use for content going forward and removing the soft cap I don't know if it's a test I mean as I was just talking about that I think this is a great way for them to experiment with challenge modes for the raid what if when a new raid comes out they do contest day one and then a month later they come out with something they call uh, prestige contest and when you go into that version of the raid when prestige contest is active it just raises the power level like I just described and then they could have different versions of the loot that's tied to that ornaments that make the guns different extra perks, adept perks different versions of the armor and stuff that would be like that would be like a cheap way for them to add hard mode back into the game you know it's a modifier and then you just attach loot to it once you go in and that modifier is active there's new loot drops that are cooler or a little bit stronger than the than the, the vanilla drops that could be a cool way for them to do it since it's a modifier uh mr anderson was it just me or did the twab sound like it would not be hard to get to 715 720 I think they started probably looking at the, at the at the plans people had, okay? So if you look at Sweatsickle's spreadsheet or our spreadsheet, okay, and you work at Bungie, it isn't hard to crunch those numbers. All right, run a simulation. Where a lot where are people going to land if they do this prep? Um, a lot of folks are going to land 712 to 717. Oh. Okay, let's think this through. What could we do? Right? Now, that may be a little generous like how quickly they came up with this it does seem like it's in response to the community's planning and the community feedback so maybe they were working on this in the background for a while and then they saw everybody's planning and they said run a simulation where are people going to land and then that dictated where they want the the deltas to land for each encounter with the final one landing on 735 and you being basically 720 and no higher no matter how high you get um if they ran some simulations so i would think i am 100 fine with that if day one hardcore players are saving up bounties and blitzing leveling and they get to 715 and in the raid by the end they're 720 and it's an equal footing I am 100% okay with that because people are like oh we're leveling too fast no that's not true it needs to be about the loot number one and number two in the past raid prep weeks people have gotten well above the halfway point right so in in Black Armory, it was uh, 650, and people were in the 630s and 640s going into Scourge, and that was a week and a half later. So they were 10 levels away from max within a week and a half. So getting into the getting halfway there, getting into the 720s, day one, week one, that's not a problem. 
that, that we're leveling up that fast anyway uh, in the past. You're shaving off a couple days. I'm fine with it. I, I the leveling is is silly anyway. It shouldn't even really the focus should be loot, not level. Like you should be focusing on chasing loot, not level. Uh, Al Ventures, you think the new Eververse is a way for Bungie to make money like Fortnite to give us free updates? Well, the Eververse is definitely a way for them to have revenue coming in. They're self-publishing now, so revenue's got to come from somewhere. And they do free updates. They do, you know, free events like the Revelry and uh, the Dawning. What's it called, the Dawning? And then, you know, Crimson Days. Those, those are those are free. And people will be like, well, it's not free. People are paying for it. I think the I think the Eververse needed a facelift. I don't think it functioned very well. I've been saying since. Destiny 2 launched that I felt like the Eververse was muddled and confusing and didn't promote urgency and purchase. It was con- it would just it wasn't clear. I should be able to click on something and be like, that's dope. I don't have enough for it. How much does it cost? Oh, 500 silver, it's 5 bucks. Boom. Give me silver so I can get it. There's just a lack of urgency and 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 clarity in the Eververse up until now. So I think the Eververse changes are a good idea. Uh, is Bungie making a mistake with a raid involving Callus? No, I mean, you'd have to argue why it's a mistake. I think bringing back Callus is a cool idea. You know, he's been around since vanilla. He was a bit of a surprise. He was like the true sort of villain, but not at the same time that showed up because Gaul was a bit of a, you know, a bit of an empty suit. So I'm fine with it. I think Kalos has a cool backstory too that's probably going to get pulled into the future of fighting the Triangle Ships. I think he's going to be like... I think we're going to have a lot of unlikely allies like Aldrin, Kalos, Mithrax, things like that. Uh, Psychotic Goldfish. Um, Do you think Bungie will add Contest as a modifier available to choose if it proves to be successful in Crown of Sorrow? If so... Could it provide unique rewards? Yeah, it's a great thought. I just touched on how this could be a great way to bring hard, or as, as you're saying, bring you your own sort of like, I want to raise the ante and have cool loot pursuits tied to challenge. Mr. Anderson, if you don't have advantage, if you're about 700, why wait to launch the raid? Well, because getting into the seven, like getting into like 712, 715 range is where people are going to want to land because if the final encounter is 735 and is treating you like you're 720 then you don't want to just run in there at 700 there won't be enough drops for you there won't be enough drops for you to feel like you can really be at your best you know going into the final encounter you're going to want to feel like you have a chance to get a little bit higher than that the goon squad do you think there is more to the Trevor room that hasn't been found yet, like flipping the switches multiple times to complete a pattern? I still think something's in there. I, I, the, the fact, there's numerous reasons why I think there's something in the Trevor room, and maybe I should do a talk about this so people can be, you know, if I'm right, I get to say I told you so, and then people can make fun of me for saying, um, I told you so. Um, Trevor room theories. Here's, here's some of my thought process on the Trevor room, okay? Number one, there's a monitor that changes according to what happens in the room that monitor is in a room that overlooks the big puzzle okay there's a sound cue when the switches are flipped and unflipped and there are lights above the switches on the ceiling that turn off whenever a flip is switched so there's a variety of reasons why I think there's something more to that room 
somebody can can coordinate and communicate to you what's happening. The red the red lights are going off, the green lights are coming on on the on the on the board, on the the screen. And then the lights on the ceiling go off. So there's visual cues, there's audio cues, there's a monitor, there's an overlook room and the flip the the flip is switched. Yeah, there you go. The switch is flipped. <laughs> There, there's a the fact that you can unflip them, right? You can unflip the switches because you. Why would you need to be able to do that? Why would you need to be able to unflip the switch? Why would you be able to shut it off unless there's something, a sequence, a secret, a code, or something to course correct with? Big Whitey was six months and nine months from Falcomus. Thank you guys. I would think that there's something going on. Visual cues, audio cues, the fact that you can un- unflip it. I-, I would think that there's something in the room that you can solve or do uh, to open. Someone posted in Raid Secrets that could be a pattern to it. Here's what I'm going to say. When I'm up in the room and you turn the switch on, there's an audio cue. When you turn the switch off, there's an audio cue. Then the audio cue stops happening. What if there's a what if there is a process of elimination? You're supposed to do each switch until the sound starts happening or something. I don't know. It could be basketball court debate. Well, the basketball court debate was literally figuring out how to get into a room, and then the room was nothing. This doesn't feel like a debate. This literally feels like a. This is just a room to get through, but there might be more here. And the fact that there's a red transponder in the database now. I would think maybe there's a transponder in that room. Again, how do we get the first transponder? There was a door that was suddenly unlocked. Okay. Then you get the blue transponder. Trevor's room is red. There's switches. There's audio cues. The code they posted was 2122-3333-22212. Why did they post that code? Where did that come from? I don't understand. Evil the Waffler. Besides curated roles, how can Bungie give us more challenging raids for prestige or challenge mode since they didn't build the raids the same way they did in D1? Well, I mean, I would think they could go with... You know, they, they could go with a... Like I said, like a challenge mode that makes everything a sword. So it's doable, but it's painful. There was something about the intensity of Wrath. They really shortchanged Wrath. If you would have gone in the Wrath of the Machine and every encounter would have been swords, that would have been a really, really good first first day one day one race. Because it it really asks you to do a lot. Go here and grab this Siva charge. Go here into this room. Shoot these monitors. All while doing that, you're getting shot. Like there's a good intensity there that I think got shortchanged by people being over-leveled day one. Stevie Mike with 28 months. Love the Q&A sessions. Apparently it's been 28 months since I subscribed to do Wrath of the Machine in Discord. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you for 28 months, dude. Welcome back. So, I love the idea of us being seeing swords the whole time and it being fair. I think a lot of people have misunderstood my criticisms of Delta scaling, okay? 
my frustration with delta scaling number one was that it was inconsistently applied because of rng so some people got around the delta and some people were under it the other reason i didn't like delta and last wish is i felt like last wish was built for double primary and they modified the delta to be absurd so the primary reason people failed and the primary cause for difficulty was that you were weak and getting just obliterated that felt cheap to me Everybody being swords and it being a fair race doesn't feel cheap. It feels intelligent and smart. Maybe a longer window to prepare is my main criticism. Maybe removing RNG from the leveling is another criticism. But overall, I feel like this is a much better step in the right direction. I'm not opposed to going into an environment and having it not feel like you're on patrol. And you're just popping every red bar that pops out. And you're two-tapping every major. I'm not against Delta all the time i just think when you rely on delta to be the primary means of challenge i just felt like it was cheap and then knowing that people could exploit and ingram farm and everything else and save bounties and save iron banner bounties and they get around those deltas and then they have advantages that's why i got frustrated i think a lot of people misunderstood and thought i was just complaining because it was hard it's like my my arguments usually go a lot further than this is hard I don't like this I usually put a lot more thought into what I'm saying people just tend to not listen hear what they want to hear and then they take shots at you I've been arguing against this for a while and I think a lot of people finally started to see where I was coming from when Scourge of the Past was beaten by people that were at the end, ga- end encounter Delta going into the first encounter so Zero, then one. Why don't you go back? Uh, why don't we go back to how it was for Vogue, where everyone's the same level and the raid armor is the way to get higher? The only reason I think they've pivoted away from that is because leveling up is just supposed to be the natural course of everyone playing the game, and the raids are supposed to be a source for really, really dope loot. I happen to think that's a better equation. Everybody should be able to get to max level. When you get to max level, the whole game should change. There should be new activities, new pursuits, new bounties, whatever. And end game content like raids or nightfall specific drops or reckoning or whatever, they should have really, really cool loot that you're chasing. Not like, oh, I gotta get this done so I can get max level. I think going into end game content and being rewarded with a number is lame. It's freaking lame. I wanna go into end game content and get loot. I, like that's what Kingsfall was there's a reason that Kingsfall didn't really land on a lot of people for an ongoing raid grind the loot wasn't that great you were mainly chasing power there was the Yasmin the machine gun and that was about it the fusion rifle the hand cannon the shotgun they were all not very good right rocket launcher sucked too the scout and the pulse were okay and then the auto rifle so much of the loot in Kingsfall was not good. So basically, people chased light level in Kingsfall, which I think led to a lot of dissatisfaction. So. Blue Maxis says, Hey Lono, in the TWA, Bungie said they're moving focus away from the Drifter. So in turn, his powerful drops are going to get reduced in gains past certain levels. Why is Bungie steadfast in this leveling philosophy? It reminds me of Animal Farm. All powerful drops are powerful, powerful, but some are more powerful than others. I don't really understand. Um, I don't understand why they did that, right? I don't understand why they decided to do that. Um, oh, you did read the rest of the question. After the raid is finished, the global soft is lifted. 
Well, they're doing, yeah, they're removing, they're, after 24 hours, they're removing the challenge, zero then one. Sorry, I didn't see the rest of your question. Um, yeah, I guess you could do that. That's essentially what they're doing now, though. They're just doing it with a modifier. Um, they did it for people hoarding Gambit bounties. Yeah, but the Gambit bounties aren't going to reward you with powerfuls. Infamy rollover is. So I don't necessarily think... Powerful bounties aren't even supposed to... Powerful bounties are supposed to get locked in. Unless, of course, they're saying people are going to save Gambit bounties and get, like, one mode away from having a a powerful done, and then they'll boot up one game of Gambit and get it done. That's possible. Maybe Maybe that's what you mean, and maybe that's what they have in mind. Oh, it's also rank ups from him are also going to give less power. Again, maybe that's what they, yeah, maybe they're trying to keep people from hoarding benefits. Um, Zeiss says, what about dropping the raid on day one right away and just have the level on the entire raid at 720, meaning everyone has the same footing? Yeah, I mean, you'd want it to be, you'd still want it to move though. I see where you're coming from. I think that's. I, <laughs> Personally, I think I think you're going the, the wrong direction. You're like, oh, just back it all the way up to the launch date, the launch time, like as soon as it goes live. Number one, that's problematic for downloading updates. People would get in and have a huge advantage based off of internet connection and downloading the updates, as well as like just getting into the game sometimes. Servers are like, like they're having a hard time. It's problematic at that front. It's also problematic because you're removing an entire element and identity of Destiny, which is grinding for raid prep. You're just removing that entirely. And I think that would be a mistake. I think the contest modifier would pair perfectly with the one to one and a half week launch window. I never liked feeling like we had to blitz the content and rush through it to get raid ready. I always thought that was lame. But if I knew, all I got to do is get to 720, and then I can just focus on weapon diversity and gear diversity and just getting other gear to drop for infusion, then I can enjoy the grind while not feeling like a slave to it. So... Mike Lantis. Lono, do you think we are going to get a vid doc for Opulence? Deej mentioned something about more in the TWAB. Yeah, I think next week we'll get a vid doc on Tuesday, and then, um, and then we'll, and then we'll get the TWAB. Uh, so. Well, Stavi says, in, in, in terms of RNG and leveling, what if when a powerful engram dropped, it had a 50-50 of being armor or weapon, and if it was armor, you got the option of the piece of armor, but you what you get is RNG, just spitballing, stay awesome. I think this is an entire system that's unnecessary, because you're trying to create a system that presently doesn't exist, and I don't think that's necessary. I think they can take the current systems as they exist and tweak them to make leveling more intentional and more sensible. Blues and purples should drop at whatever power you are. So let's say you get to 710, okay? You get to 710. Uh, being 710 means a handful of your items are not at 710. You probably have a kinetic that's 715. You have a shotgun that's 712. You, know, you have a bunch of things that are above 710. But you've got gloves that are 705 and a mark that's 702. Well, if everything's dropping at 710, you could grind 
pubs and other things until you get a pair of gloves, until you get a mark that's at 710. You'd round off all those pieces, probably get closer to 711, and then you'd go and do a milestone to get your big jump. That still leaves it to where milestone's a great way for you to level up if used properly, but your gap filling in between milestones... That just works within this. They wouldn't have to add any new systems. They wouldn't have to add any new bounties, any new checks and balances. Just literally raise the cap. There's a cap on blues and purples that drop from events and drop from vendors. There's a cap on those on those items that just is kind of always behind you by like 20 levels or something. So I would say polishing out those uh, th- those those weak spots by just grinding and then doing your milestones would work within the systems they have now. It would honor the philosophy they have for milestones. It'd have to be a guaranteed increase. They already are a guaranteed increase, uh, Chief. If you're 710, a milestone's guaranteed to be 5 to 7 above until you get into the last 10 stretch. So when you're grinding from 700 to 750, every milestone is supposed to be 5 to 7 above whatever your power level is. So if you're 710, you can get 715s to drop. But the problem becomes your hand cannon 715 and your boots are 701 and you keep getting freaking kinetic weapons that are they're 715 and they're matching the item that's there. So milestones are a guaranteed increase. But if I polished off all my spots, if I got my gauntlets, my gloves, everything to be 710 right and then the milestone drops at 715 wherever it drops it's way more likely to help me not for weekly story missions you're incorrect every milestone is guaranteed to be higher than your present power level there's nothing that has a chance to be lower than your present power level there was plus ones and things that were happening before a patch but if you're grinding to get to 700 before 690, everything, every milestone is supposed to drop five to seven above your power level. The problem is if you're 680, okay, and your gun is 684 and you get a 684 drop on that gun, you're like, that doesn't help me. That's not a guaranteed increase. No, it is a guaranteed increase. You're 680, it dropped at 684. It's an increase for you. It just landed on the wrong slot. Mick Cheshire. Um, with one phase raid boss kills ongoing, do you think the raid encounters should approach a more mechanical means of killing bosses similar to Oryx? I don't think you want to take away the fun of people figuring out how to really, really melt a boss. But you also don't want to have every boss be super trivial and kind of a joke. Um, I think there's a happy medium. And I think Wrath of the Machine kind of gets at that. You require a lot of movement. You require mechanics and items like, you know, charges and and cannons to be picked up and slamming his back. But that's interwoven with damage phases where you bake the frick out of him. Ness. Do you foresee an end to Delta Scaling in Destiny, possibly starting with the year 3 DLC drop? No, because this is Delta Scaling. This is an enforced, this is a challenge. It's a modifier called Contest that they plan to use in the future if it goes over well. This is them standardizing the Delta Scaling so that nobody can kind of like avoid it. DZ Hosh. 
So if it's always a 15 delta, the final encounter will be 735. Do you think that means three encounters increasing by 10 or five encounters increasing by five each? Increasing by five is what probably most did. Well, the last encounter will probably use the same... Um, the, the, the last encounter will probably use the same room. Usually you go into the final room. They did this um, They did this in Vogue. You're in the final room for two encounters. Crota, you're in the final room for two encounters. Kingsfall, Sisters and Oryx, final room for two encounters. Wrath, you got Axis and you got the fight before where you're doing just the Servitors. Final room has two encounters. They've always done this, okay? The only place they don't do it is... I just realized you don't do two encounters in Last Wish because you have Riven and Queen's Walk. Queen's Walk is kind of in that. Yeah, I guess it is in that area because you leave, you leave, but you go through more than just that final area because you end up going through the vault. Um, and in Scourge, you're in the final room for two areas. Leviathan, you're in the final room for two things. So more than likely... We're really belaboring the point. I'm really making it clear. The final room, you're probably going to be in the last room twice, which means the final boss will be 735. And if the encounter before that is 730, okay, first encounter is 715. So there's at least, we can say probably pretty confidently, we know there's one encounter at the beginning and then there's probably two encounters at the end. So if the last encounter is 735 and 725, then the first encounter is 715 then that wouldn't work 715 to 725 735 there's something in the middle missing at that point so I think it goes 715 second encounter 720 and then that's too many encounters I don't think the raid's going to be that big because 715 720 725 725 730 735 that's six encounters i highly doubt we have that many encounters in this raid um so i would think it's going to go like 715 and then maybe 720 and then maybe the last encounter maybe there's four encounters so the first two is 715 720 and then the last encounter is a 725 and a 735 so there's four total encounters with a bigger jump at the end. Um, didn't they say the last encounter is 720? No, the final encounter is not 720. You will be treated as if you're 720. If you get to 722, 725, 726, it's going to treat you as if you're 720. Now, if you're 715, it's not going to treat you like you're 720. If you get above 720, you won't feel any different. It's basically capping you. If they're capping you at 720, our thought process is if the beginning encounter treats you as if you're 700, but it's 715, our speculation is that the entire raid is going to maintain that 15 level delta. That's, That's our speculation based off of just how it's been structured in the past and the first encounter treating you like you're 700. So... Four encounters, five apiece. Oh, yeah. So four encounters, five apiece. But that doesn't get you from 715 to 735, though. Does it? We just dropped some frames. I don't know what's going on. Hang on a second. I bet you I know what it is. It's probably Windows Update. Um, yes, it is. Give me one second. Uh, disabled. Apply. 
and we're gonna stop it there we go that should stop it we dropped a couple frames guys sorry yeah I don't think 715 to 735 is is that enough right is that enough 715 to 735 for four encounters that's five encounters as DZ Hosh just put it in chat 715, 720, 725, 730, 735 that's five encounters we might get five encounters I don't know that seems like a lot that seems like a lot they usually do an entrance 715 then a traveler jumping puzzle no power then a phase one phase two yeah four encounters with one being travel and traversal Probably has it right. The boss is 735. The ads aren't. True. We'll have to just wait and see. I don't know. Because right now we're just throwing darts in the dark. Uh, Soured Outlook. My reading of the TWAB was that they intended people to play the new content to level up for the raid. The season brings a new way to earn powerful drops. Do you think this means Milestone PvP rank system is getting a total rework? Okay. So you're quoting the statement. This season brings a new way for you to earn powerful drops. Okay, let me go to where it says that and let's read the entire system. Um, It says, As season as the Drifter comes to a close, a new source for powerful rewards will emerge. The Drifter will return to his role as your Gambit Hype Man and Benedict is about to become your source for brand new secrets and rewards. Let's take a look at how this new perspective making some sweeping changes to your weekly routine. So they talk about Power Surge, and then they talk about Gambit Bounties, and Prime, and then they talk about Crown of Sorrows. So I don't know where you're pulling that direct quote. Um, I don't I don't see it saying, uh, this season brings a new way to earn powerful drops. I'm not seeing that. Uh, that line. It seems like when they say a new way to earn powerful drops... They could potentially be just talking about the the surge bounties and then how they're they're making modifications to Drifter. So Kraz, if they did push future raids back out a week and a half mark, would that not give the hardcore player an advantage strictly from the standpoint of having a better opportunity to get any new beneficial seasonal weapons or even grab a new pinnacle if it's decent in the raid? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm way more okay with that. Let's say going into Scourge, they had this Delta system in place, okay? And let's say Gig's team, two or three of their players got some new weapon that people argue is like really really helpful right well I'm I'm that doesn't bother me as much as someone going in and literally taking less damage and doing more damage you see what I'm saying that's undeniable that's objective that's not opinion that is you have an advantage going into a raid and being like well they got this new gun and this new gun blah 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 helps with blah 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 it's like okay but that's more subjective than just a static undeniable delta benefit so I hear where you're coming from but I'd be kind of like they played more and prepped more so they have more gear 
I'm way more okay with in a looter shooter saying this guy took more time to prep his life situation allowed him more time to prep and he got more gear instead of how it is now it's like prior to this challenge getting instituted instead of how it was in the past like well he had more time to prep I had as much time to prep as him he had better RNG than me he got better drops level higher and has an advantage on the delta that I don't have do you see the difference you're, like, right now, people got advantages. I grinded my freaking face off, okay? I grinded my absolute freaking face off in in Forsaken, and I was well below deltas that other people got to, and I played just as much, if not more, than them. So, like, to me, it's like, I think it's totally justifiable to be like, this guy played more. So he, he got, he's got more loot diversity, and I said that before. I would rather have teams go in and have and advantages come from their intelligence, their skill, their strategy, and loot diversity. They spent more time grinding, so they have a scout rifle and a sniper that you don't have because they took time to infuse it up and invested resources in their grind in getting that loot diversity. You get into a fight and you're like, dude, my hand cannon and shotgun ain't cutting it. A scout and a, and a sniper would make a huge difference here, and I don't have one. You gotta make do with what you take in. Loot diversity, loot depth, I'm totally fine with that giving somebody an advantage if they put the time in. Uh Jay Jay Dez. Since D1, it seems like the majority of the community is playing as a hunter for PvP and PvE. Why do you think this is and why is Bungie looking for ways to balance the classes? I mean, in PvE, I think people like playing Hunter because they added Way of a Thousand Cuts, which gave the Hunter a really, really strong offensive PvE super. He had a good super for PvE and with Tether since Taken King, but it's more passive, it's more defense it's more defensive. But Hunters are really, really strong in PvE with Way of a Thousand Cuts in a way that they weren't previously. Now, Shards got nerfed, but if you run Knife Trick, Ophidious Space, and a Hands-On Helmet, it's actually a really, really strong build. It's it's, it's a really, really strong build. And obviously, pre-Shards nerf, Hunters with Way of a Thousand Cuts was, was a really, really strong build. Even if you don't run Way of a Thousand Cuts, Orpheus Riggs Tether is stupidly strong and influential in PvE. So to try to act like hunters aren't good in PvE is just ludicrous. Like it's like they're they're one of the best classes for PvE. PvP, I mean, they're just they've got really great utility with leaving lanes with dodge and shade step. I mean, being able to get out of a gunfight instantaneously is a huge advantage. Um, and then obviously their blade barrage super is great for super shutdown. So in a, in a competitive environment, it's great for a super shutdown. Being able to do a, a super shutdown is hugely influential. Holding on to super shutdowns in trials was one of the major strategy points of trials back when I would watch people play and I started getting into it. It was like, if you had Titan Slam or Nova Bomb, you held on to that. That's a shutdown super. Shutdown supers are very valuable. Um, so. Zet, Zet, sure. So we'll get schooled by ads 710 plus for 24 hours, power cap 700 for 24 hours. This question's just completely uninformed about how it's going to work. So, no, that's not what's going to happen. First encounters, you're going to have swords. They'll be 715 and you'll be 700. As you go on, like let's say you're 710 and you go to the next environment and the next environment's 720 and it treats you like you're 710, you are 710, right? 
they're just trying to keep that sword that pain of being slightly weak they're trying to have it be perpetual so that somebody doesn't get to the final encounter and they're 725 and you're 720 and they have an advantage over you same thing with the first encounter if I go into the first encounter as 705 and you go into the first encounter as 716 we're both viewed the same we're both treated as if we're 700 so Scalf do you think the power scaling will make world's first race more competitive and interesting I do RNG is still going to play a part I hope it doesn't I hope the lion's share of the people going in get into the 715s, 716s. So by the time we get to the final encounter, everybody's everybody's even. If you can go into this raid anywhere from 7 probably 712 to 715, you're you're going to probably be fine. You're going to get to the final encounter and you're going to be fine. So and I'm not going to go for recluse guys. I'm going to go for stockpiling bounties to save. I'm not going to waste my valuable game time and stream time going for recluse. I'm just not doing it, and I, I won't need it. Um, you don't even know that the raid's going to allow for that kind of close-range combat where the recluse is going to get traction. If you get into the raid and it's all distance fighting, your recluse is going to suck. Um, so you don't even know. Recluse might be a completely fool. It might be a total fool's errand in raid prep. It could be amazing. Could not be. Uh, two-parter. Do you think the new raid exotic will be something other than a heavy? preferably a special and you think quests like Acreus are better than random drops I think a good midpoint uh, I think a good midway point would be after a month a quest opens if you've done enough runs right so after a month you've done 12 raid completions um, you check that box every week with like the raid NPC he gives you a quest like you should just see the quest in his inventory and it should just be giving you a tally right so you're like Okay, I need 12 raid runs to unlock that quest. I only get credit for three a week, so you can't do like 12 the first week. During that month, there's a chance for it to drop the entire time you're in there. But after a month, if you don't get it done, the quest unlocks and you grab it. I think that'd be a good hybrid system so that you don't go four months without getting 1k voices because of bad RNG. I think that that's stupid. Because raid relevancy goes down and engagement goes down, I think it's just dumb. Um, So... Mac Quin- Quinette, do you agree this contest modifier could be a cool way to make weekly hard raids? Yeah, we already talked about it. It could be a great way to bring back hard raids. Cruxley, do you think releasing a raid day one might also be a cover of otherwise lacking content? I don't think so. I think Opulence is going to be a jam-packed full DLC. Now, they they set a little line in the TWAB that this might be an indication that they are going to E3. Let me read this line to you. Um, it says, right now our focus is on opulence, but after the season has launched and raid belts have been awarded, we'll be looking deeper into the future and sharing with you more about a new era for Bungie and Destiny 2. Okay? I don't know if that just means they're going to like do a TWAB or a video or a stream, but that could mean we've got to get opulence off the ground, we've got to get raid belts awarded, and then we can start talking about the future. That seems to indicate that as soon as that first week is over, they're going to start talking about the future, which means they might go to E3 and do interviews. They're not going to be on a stage, and they're not going to bring, you know, playable content, but they could sit down and do interviews and say, this is our mission, this is our goal, this is our vision for the future of the game, this is what we're planning on doing in September. It just seems really interesting. That phraseology seems really interesting to me. It's like, as soon as raid belts have been awarded, which is Wednesday, June the 6th, 
they're going to start talking about the future of Bungie and the next era of Destiny 2. That means they might be going to E3. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they're just going to start doing streams and blog posts after E3 because they can capture a pretty big audience with their streams anyway. Jackarama. How do you think killing a teammate outside of the map if they're joining during an encounter will affect the race? It seems like a glitch that's only happening in the first encounter. It seems like it's not going to be happening throughout the entire raid. They made it sound like it was just that first encounter. You all want to go in together. Ghost, can we prep for new power level right now? And if we can, how? The thing to do now would be to complete bounties and stack them so that you can turn them in very quickly. So you could basically get Dreaming City done, Gambit rollover, because they reset your Gambit ranking. Crucible ranking gets reset too. So if you turn in all those bounties, you're not getting powerfuls from the bounties themselves. You're getting Ikora's milestone, Dreaming City milestone. You're rolling over Gambit and Crucible, and you're you're getting things for those rollovers. Um, that would be the route that I think people are taking right now to prep. There's a screen, there's a there's a raid prep command in chat if you want to prep between now and then by saving bounties. There's a there's an actual reason why people are getting on my YouTube like saving bounties is stupid, Lono. They said they're going to cap them. There's there's reasons to do bounties and save them. Um, Red Raptor says that's what happened in D2. D said uh, Deed said in D1 they wouldn't talk about the future until Age of Triumph launched. The very next day, Desi 2 got his first trailer. That could be what we're looking at here. That's a very good callback, Red Raptor. Uh, Mick Cheshire. Sorry about the second question, but your point about people having different strategies for raid encounters interested me. Do you think the current encounters have become way, uh, way, uh, I'm sorry. Do you think the current encounters have become very, there's only one way to do this? Um, no. No, there's a lot of different things that happen in, um, the in in uh, Insurrection Prime, is that his name? The, 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 the boss in, in, in Scourge of the Past. People play that very differently. They break up the team differently. They do sniper coverage differently. They stand in different spots. They use different weapons. Um, thank you. Opinions that you banned did a resub. Uh, and Discount Spartan did 21 months. Welcome back. There's a lot of different strats for uh, even stuff in Last Wish. Now, sure, when you get to Morgath, everybody gets out Whisper. Whisper is still going to be a great weapon for any boss like Morgath. 21 bullets times six players times well of radiance times whisper breathing that's a lot of bullets even if everybody misses a couple shots you're at 100 to 122 bullets that are getting whisper breathing and buffed by a well any boss like Morgath is still going to get shredded by whisper whispers getting nerfed but whispers still going to be a god killer in the right circumstances Go to go to go to Morgath right now and or any boss that sits still and limit yourself to one to one phase of damage, 20 bullets each, and you will see that Whispers Whispers not getting murdered at all. Now, Whispers great for multiple damage phases because you keep your ammo, and in the new system you won't. Because it's gonna pull from reserves. So by the way, if you're new to the stream and you've never been here before and you enjoy the interactivity here, the back and forth, the radio style, it's like a Q&A session that we do pretty regularly, be sure to click the follow button. That's a free and easy way to support what I do. Click the little heart button. Next question is from Jay Dunk. What is the number one aspect you want to see in the new raid weapons and gear to be satisfied or feel rewarded? They need to feel distinct. You couldn't get Genesis Chain perks anywhere. You couldn't get Wrath of the Machine weapons and perks anywhere else. Stop giving me guns 
I can get elsewhere. Threat level is just Ikelos shotgun in the kinetic slot. Like, give me a gun that can only be gotten in the raid. The entire weapon system of Last Wish. Who the frick cares? Who cares? They have their equals already in the game elsewhere. When I complete a raid, I should be either celebrating or sad that I didn't get the really cool thing that can only be gotten there. So I'm celebrating the really cool thing that can only be gotten there or I'm sad that I didn't get it. In both circumstances, I'm motivated to do it again or satisfied that I did it. Like, we need unique perks. Armor too. like, we need unique armor perks. A reason to get a full set. A reason to get all the guns. But this, and here's another thing they need to consider. Okay, curated roles is one of the, is one of the smartest ideas they've brought to random roles, okay? Curated roles is a perfect system to work within, and here's why. They hinted at this with the Fatebringer role on the, the, the hand cannon from Last Wish, okay? They hinted at this. Because when you get the curated role on that hand cannon, it's clear what they're doing. They're giving you a Fatebringer. It's, it's, it's obvious. It's just obvious what's going on, okay? So, here's what they do. Curated roles should start to be reminiscent of or mirror what the breakneck is. The breakneck is a gun and a roll that you can't get anywhere else. It's a pinnacle roll, right? That's exactly how raid weapons should work. You're going in and grinding, and you're like, ah, frick, I got this cool new gun, right? I got this this cool new shotgun, sniper, whatever. It looks cool. It sounds cool. I'm going to use this for a while. It's a decent roll, but it's not the curated roll. The curated roll should be like a, oh, I got it, kind of a moment. They kind of did that with threat level because when you get the curated roll, it's got trench barrel. There's actually better rolls because you can get trench barrel to roll with some other things, but I think that's the future of endgame weapons and content. I have been calling for more pinnacle weapons for a really long time because exotics cause so many problems, as we saw in the most recent nerfs, and videos like mine, my video, Datto's video, and Slayer Rage, all big PvE guys are all weighing in and saying the same thing. These nerfs were necessary. If we're all saying the same thing, then exotics are problematic. So just start doing more pinnacle weapons that are cool, unique, and powerful, and put them into stuff like the raid. So when I get this curated hand cannon, or fusion rifle, or pulse rifle from Crown of Sorrow, it should have something on it I can't get anywhere else. That's how it should function, that's how it should work. That's how endgame content should be. You should never feel like well, I already kind of have a good pulse rifle or hand cannon that's basically the same as whatever I can get from the raid because then what happens? People just give up. There was a chattering bone roll that I really wanted to get, but then I finally just decided, I was like, I already have great pulse rifles that essentially have what that would be for me. I got a bygones. I got to go figure. So incentive just died for me. I was like, dude, I'm not getting the chattering bone. Now, not getting the chattering bone that I wanted isn't the problem. The problem is, there's no vacancy for it to fill. It's just going to be a lateral upgrade. Like, well, this is basically just another pulse rifle to sit next to existing pulse rifles that I have right now. This goes hand in hand with my argument that every year to a year and a half, we got to leave loot behind. 
We're not going to go round and round on that argument again. We've been doing that a lot lately, but this goes hand in hand with that argument. Incentive and motivation dies if there's no vacancy in your loadout. If you're like, this is the only place I can get it. Everything's a lateral upgrade. A really good shattering bone is a lateral upgrade. It's just as good, basically the same perks that you can get on a bygones, a go figure, or any or any other any other decent pulse rifle. I would love for them to bring Lincoln Green into year two. I love that gun. But Yeah, and shattering isn't even that good. A curated pinnacle roll on a piece of raid gear should be undeniably best in class and unique. That that, sh- that shouldn't even be a a, a question, right? That shouldn't even be a question. A pinnacle roll, a curated roll on a raid weapon should be best in class and unique. That I, that doesn't even need said. <laughs> like that's just how it should be. It's a raid. It's like it's a raid. It's how it should be. Hobscene. If they're going uh, to do a day one raid, even uh, even the playing field, what do you think about just scaling all guardians to the same level until Wards versus achieved? This this is similar to another question a little bit ago. I don't think you want to push against the idea that grinding and preparing for the raid is a part of the raid. Do you see what your question does? The guy who shows up and doesn't do anything, right? And it's just like, yeah, we're all equal. You've been grinding your butt off and preparing. I already, I got, I got God roll weapons and exotics. I didn't need to prepare. The raid's gonna treat us as equals. I think that grates against the idea of a raid. A raid is meant to be a pinnacle activity, and preparation is part of the activity. And you don't want to dilute that. Okay, that's why during Wrath of the Machine, I lovingly gave Tifu guff. I was like, he's not even been playing. Or maybe it wasn't Tifu. Maybe it was somebody else on their team that hadn't even been playing. Somebody, they were playing on a borrowed account. Well, yeah, I gave him some loving guff. I'm like, that's kind of dumb. You weren't even preparing. You just borrowed somebody's account. This is similar in spirit. It's like, I've been grinding for weeks, saving bounties, and I'm 715. I'm ready to rock and roll. You come in at 700. It treats us as equals the entire time. And it's like, well, you just took preparation and completely threw it out the window. There's no need to prepare. Just get all your God rolled stuff and just come in. So I don't want to. I don't want to dilute preparation. I think the launch window is already doing that. To be fair, I think it's diluting the spirit of raid prep. Spirit of raid prep should be a week to a week and a half. Get in there, grind it out, do your dailies, get ready. You know get get ramped up and ready to rock and roll and then the contest modifier comes in and levels the playing field with respect to advantages by being over leveled nova hands hey lono do you think it's possible the 750 cap in conjunction with them saying the highest you could get for the raid is 720 so 735 power for final encounter means we could get a hard mode raid this season wait yeah Wait a minute, wait a minute. How does Scourge work right now? What's the final... What's the final... Um, so we were 650. 650 was the cap for Black Armory. What's the final Scourge encounter? What's the level of, of the final Scourge encounter? Final boss is 640. No. This is a pattern, Nova. It was a good thought. It was a good thought. So if the final encounter is 635, I mean, Scourge final was 640. Wait, people in chat are saying 650. So I, I'm not actually sure we have, we don't have, uh, we don't have 
con- congru- uh, agreement here in chat. Even still, 635 is so close to 640. Um, 100 percent at 650. 640 is the first encounter. Tigo's saying 640 is the boss. It starts at 640. Boss is 650. Recommended is 640. Insurrection is 650. Okay, it seems like it seems like Nova Hands might be onto something. Then Nova Hands might be onto something. If well, here's the thing though. If recommended is 640. If recommended is 640, but the boss is 650. Aren't they saying at 715 is recommended for the first encounter? And they're going to scale us to 700. So what if the recommended power level for the final encounter is 35, but the encounter itself is 640 and then the boss is 50? 750, sorry. See what I'm saying? I love where Nova's head's at. I would love for there to be an actual hard mode or again to use the contest modifier as a, hey, midway in the season, we're going to bring back the contest modifier and we're going to call it contest, uh, you know, contest prestige or something. And they turn it on as a challenge hard mode. Is this a Vicarious Visions raid? I don't actually know. VV is in charge of uh, Opulence. Season of Opulence is their swan song. But I don't know if that means they built the raid. Bungie's raid team could still play a huge part in the design of it. Uh, Ginger 300, very unlikely, but do you think there could be a chance that the Leviathan could be a patrol zone next season as a way to end the annual pass with a bang? Um, I'm trying to think about this. Do the Leviathan is a patrol zone? I mean, I think we're going to the Leviathan for the horde mode, so maybe? I don't know, though. There's not a lot of places to go. So... If this is a Vicarious Vision swan song and they didn't make the raid, that's going to be a yikes from me. Even if they did make the raid, that doesn't necessarily mean that Bungie didn't help. Sometimes they work together. So, Evil the Waffler says, This might be hard, but any thoughts on enemy types or boss types we might fight in the new raid? I don't have any predictions. I love the suggestion that the, the Leviathan accidentally pulled in... Um, it accidentally pulled in Siva off of Nessus, and we're gonna fight like Siva infected, uh, Siva infected Cabal, and that Kallus basically needs our help. He's like, uh, a little bit of a whoopsie here. I pulled Siva into my ship. <laughs> Can you come help me? <laughs> You're gonna need my help because there's a bigger threat on the way, and if my ship gets destroyed, we're gonna be in bad shape. So. We probably haven't explored nearly half of the Leviathan, but would it work as a public space is my question. Um, so, Vazer with 39 months, welcome back. Not a lot of people can hit for 39 months, dude. Thanks for sticking with me that long. That's the first month sub right there. Hey, Shiz, do you think the Eververse change is hinting at us getting more Eververse content than we've had in the past or simply a UI update? Oh, no, they're changing the Eververse because they want more people to interact with it. It's going to be clearer. It's going to motivate purchase more. I think it's going to be fair because it says you can buy anything with silver or dust. Um, So, I think it's going to be good. Uh, Legionless Gaming. Would having a longer raid prep time remove the impact between 720 the Delta and 750 the Season Cap? Um possible unless there's other activities planned i see what you're getting at people would get very very close to 750 i see where you're coming from yeah 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say maybe go with this modifier and then new season Tuesday, new raid Friday. Roll some, a small window, but not quite as small as six hours. So I'm not with the Twitch Prime sub. Thanks for using your Prime sub here. Welcome. I appreciate a lot of you guys have been using your Prime subs on my channel. Uh, Diahawker. This doesn't connect to your Q&A, but do you need Forsaken or the Annual Pass to do the Outbreak quest? Um, we've gotten mixed responses to this question because the level updates each season are supposed to be free, but I thought you needed Forsaken to take advantage of the annual pass, uh, level updates. So I guess you could just do the surge bounties. Um, but don't you need the DLC to do the surge bounties? Um, Forsaken, but not annual pass. I just, I don't know if we've ever gotten a good, you don't need Forsaken for Outbreak. People in chat are saying no. Um, you need Forsaken, but not the annual pass. Outbreak Prime is free. Outbreak is free, but the encounter is so high power level, you got to get power leveled up. I thought you needed Forsaken as a base level to start engaging with the level updates each season that were free. I didn't think you could just own vanilla Destiny 2 and engage with these power level thresholds. Power is free after Forsaken, I thought. Because you're going to be too weak. You need to get to 700 to do Outbreak Prime. That zero hour is going to... You're not going to be able to kill anything. You two-manned it? Yeah, I two-manned it, but we weren't under-leveled. Good talk. Thanks, Kevman. Level and Outbreak is free. Power levels were not specific paid content. So, you can apparently... Um... You can get carried. Sure. The question's not... Okay, so now we're getting into different territory. The real question that he's asking is, you can get into zero hour without any DLC, okay? But can you level up to be strong enough to actually do it? I. It seems that you can, that leveling is free even if you don't have Forsaken. I thought you needed Forsaken to engage with these seasonal power bumps. Um, I know you can get to 700 without the annual pass, that's not in question. The question is, do you need Forsaken to get to 700? I thought you did. I thought Forsaken was a gateway into Season of the Forge, Season of the Drifter, and Season of Opulence. All those power levels, I thought you needed Forsaken to get into those power bumps. You can't break 300 without DLC. You need Forsaken. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you need the annual pass, but you can't go beyond vanilla power level without Forsaken, which means you can't do... I guess you could do the Surge Bounties without Forsaken? You can get up to 400 with Warmine. You need Forsaken to, to hit level 50. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a question of whether or not you can get in. It's a question of whether or not you can power level up. There you go. It seems you do need Forsaken to get beyond... Uh, vanilla power levels um you need the annual pass to get power surge oh or the power surge is not free so you can get to the new echelons of power but you can't use power surge okay so you can level up as long as you own forsaken surge bounties come with the actual annual pass purchased content this is why they shouldn't have renamed everything because it's confusing uh Cebus, why not have the raid release later and in turn be harder, similar to how WoW does it? I mean, you're basically just asking them, like, why don't they do why don't they do this like this game? I don't know. It's not Destiny. We're not playing WoW. Uh, kind of bothered that they hype this raid and it gets smashed in 24 hours. 
that's become part and parcel to the community. A world's first raid, and it happens in less than 24 hours. That's been going on for a long time. Uh, Ginger 300. Do you think after achieving max power during a season, Prime Ingram should reward enhancement cores? I think after you hit max level in a season, everything should change. Milestones should convert to some type of a loot pursuit, and all the NPCs should interact with you differently once you're at max level, indicating to people that once they get max level, they're not done, there's new pursuits for them available. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, Aces and 88s. If the new raid is back on the Leviathan, do you think the armor might have raid and location perks on them? Yeah, or, I don't know, I'm gonna give you a maybe, and then people are like, well, what about the existing raid uh, Leviathan armor perks? I'm gonna give you a maybe. Yeah, they might help. I don't know. Opinions get you banned. How will the Leviathan mods fit into this? Just, yeah, just kind of touched on this with the last question. I'm gonna give everybody a maybe on this one. There's no way to know. We don't know if it's on the Leviathan, and if it is on the Leviathan, we don't know if those are gonna matter. Uh, spicy Cuban Pappy. <laughs> with the change, uh, with the chance of the new raid being on Levy, do you think the... Oh, here we go. Everybody's asking about the old Levy armor now. You guys are all asking the same question back to back. Seems like you guys saw each other's questions in chat and copied each other. <laughs> uh, E-Man did it. Lono, what do you think is going to happen with the new six-player mode coming in the new season? I think it's going to be a horde mode in the uh, Castellum, and it's probably not going to unlock until the raid's beaten, and I think people will complain, but I hope it's a good mode with good loot pursuit and good reward. And I hope it's fun. Funkadelic. Bungie is officially split from Activision. What do you foresee happening? Thank you. I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say to this question. This is very broad. Uh, Eververse will have a more prominent place. I don't think they're ever going to sell power. I don't think they're ever going to be pay to win. But I think they're going to just continue to have great cosmetics for purchase. And I think that's totally fine. And I think potentially it'll lead to crossplay and cross-save and less, less uh, Sony exclusivity dominance. And they may even partner with Epic and Microsoft to achieve some stuff. But at this point, it's all speculation. Smash Boy, what if first dead in the raid uh, is story-based? What? What if first dead in raid is story-based? I don't know what the frick you're trying to say here. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to go to the next question. It's stickers. After Opulence... Do you believe there will be big DLCs like Forsaken, another annual pass? At this point, the speculation is that um, the speculation is that there will be a bigger piece of content on the front end of an annual pass that will start in September. Triple Rex seems to indicate his inside sources are telling him we are getting a big DLC in September. Shadow of the Nine, the Nine says we're not getting a Comet DLC in September, but the annual pass 2.0 will start in September with a bigger injection the size of like a Rise of Iron. I think they're both talking about the same thing. I think we're getting a big DLC in September. It won't be Forsaken Taken King size. It'll be slightly smaller. It'll be the kickoff of a new annual pass. Therefore, it'll be structured differently. The only potential problem there is revenue loss, right? The only potential loss there is revenue loss. Is that selling a DLC and then selling an annual pass is a way to double dip on money making. So... Uh, James works saying he'd love to be on the Rageous Roundtable. Oh, he'd be really good to interact with. I should reach out to him. We're not really doing guests right now, but uh, 
I, I, I wouldn't mind having guests on every once in a while. It's just so hard to schedule guests and reach out to guests and get responses. But uh, that could be pretty good because especially right now with Clint just taking a break from the show for a while. Tropic Yeti. Any idea on the new activity? Yeah, I already speculated Castellum Horde mode for six man. Do you think that our Callus tokens will be able to be used, uh, that the vendor is going to be useful again? Uh, armor we already have. I already answered the question about the armor being ready. I'm going to give you a maybe. But the vendor and the tokens, I have no idea. I think they just need to go away from tokens and go towards like bounties and rank ups. So like you rank up the raid NPC and you get cooler stuff. So after a month, you've raided enough to like level up the raid NPC and you get cool stuff. I think the tokens is just chintzy and needs to go away. Same with Zavala and Shacks. Give me bounties, give me a seasonal level that gets reset, give me seasonal level rewards. So as I grind Crucible to strike playlists or the raids, I'm leveling up that NPC and getting cool rewards accordingly. Mike, the level of engrams are going to be uh, best of the early seasons. How do you feel if there was zero new guns, just rerolled year one stuff? There were, what? How would you feel if there were zero new guns and just rerolled year one stuff only? Oh, so you're saying they could take a similar philosophy and apply it outside the Eververse? I want all the year one stuff to come back because there's a lot of dope looking stuff. There's a lot of dope weapons. I think they're holding on to those loot pools and they're going to use them in the next annual pass. Metal face. We have all seen the videos of six players with Outbreak Prime, uh, Outbreak Perfected Catalysts in a well melting raid bosses. So with the incoming Whisper nerfed and the exclusion of an Outbreak Perfected nerf, can we assume that the new raid bosses were balanced around a team being power capped players using Outbreak Perfected. Either that or they plan to update the Outbreak Perfected. I could definitely see them saying, by the way, there'll be an update that hits the game June 4th and the number of nanites that can be applied to an enemy has been lowered. Your Outbreak Perfected's not getting nerfed. We're just making bosses only take so many nanite clusters to lower. It's going to lower what a six-man team can do with the damage buff. I, I, I'm pretty much certain at this point. I'm certain at this point that's going to be an, uh, that's an incoming update. Uh, Prime Soot. It seems like Crown of Sorrows is taking us back to the Leviathan. Do you think year one Leviathan I already answered this question? Um, no gaming. Do you think the raid could be on Mars? Visions made the Warmind content plus Hiver there. I think everything's pointing to Leviathan. All the artwork. I mean... They did. A, I mean, look at the look at the twab, guys. Look at the twab. Okay, let's let's really think here. Let's put our thinking caps on. You go look at the twab, and what's the picture? It is a picture of the Leviathan artwork, the callus, the callus statue head, and the art. The, the, the entire basically thrust of new information about Crown of, is about Crown of Sorrow. I, I don't know. I think they're very, very much in the TWAB, hinting at the fact that Leviathan's going to be the centerpiece of pretty much everything. The new activity, the new raid. I don't know. So, we're fine with $10 emotes. It's not about us being fine with $10 emotes. If people are willing to spend $10 on an emote, that's a value transmission that's up to supply and demand of the consumer. There's no objective way to determine the worth of a vanity item 
the only way worth or value of a vanity item is determined is determined by demand and willing consumers that's what determines it is anybody going to be able to objectively argue is anybody can you objectively argue that skins in fortnite are worth twenty dollars no but a willing consumer base and the demand dictates that that value point is completely legitimate like the demand and the consumer base the willing consumers they're the ones that legitimize the price so if they're charging ten dollars for emotes and after two months there's the percentage of purchase is so freaking low they would say value transmissions not happening lower the price do a sale or something you know what i mean so value being subjective means there's no way for you to say $10 for an emote is is stupid or too expensive or unreasonable. You're allowed to have that opinion, but if people are buying them, you know, if people are buying them, then it doesn't really matter what your opinion's kind of irrelevant at that point. Uh, Scrabble. Do you think a game like Destiny would look at adding a Battle Pass style Eververse purchase? I had this idea such a long time ago when the Battle Pass thing came to Fortnite. I was like, Bungie did this first. They did it with SRL. Sell a seasonal Eververse book that allows me a guaranteed pathway to all the items as long as I grind, right? You could definitely fall behind and knock at the items. But 10 or $15 and I'm guaranteed a bunch of those items. Or you can just take your chances with RNG or buy them individually. You know what would happen? Here's what would happen. So let me get this straight. I can buy your Eververse seasonal book for $15, or I can buy a single emote by itself for $10. If I buy the seasonal book for $15, I'm guaranteed to get that emote as long as I check the boxes throughout the season. So I get that emote, guaranteed, along with all the other cool items. Do you know what would happen? They would sell an awful lot of Eververse paddle passes for $15. It would just be an easy conclusion. This ornament is 10, the book's 15, but then I get everything as long as I'm as long as I have due diligence the whole season. <laughs> People would buy it hand over fist. They would they would buy it hand over fist 100%. The question would be is that is that more does that generate more revenue than charging 10 to 15 dollars for vanity items that's the question are they making good money on the individual purchases and would they lose a lot of money on those individual purchases by letting somebody like me be like dude i'll pay 15 bucks to get every seasonal eververse item that gets injected into the game guaranteed as long as i work my way through the eververse book that's content as well that's content. You'd be like, I gotta do my, I gotta do something weekly and daily for this book, so I get all the, I get all the items. I, that, that that's like money. That just feels like money on the freaking table. Because when I see that new Eververse storefront, that's a, that's the first thing I thought of was like, man, oh man, I would say, I would just look at that and be like, that sparrow looks dope, that ornament looks hot, that emote's hot. Give me the book. 15 bucks no question give me it i'll grind for it i i don't know i think people would do it and i think they'd make a bundle but they might right now be making really good money 
and they might make really good money with the new setup because if the new setup hits and you see something really cool like the preview images and stuff that new sparrow looks awesome that braytex sparrow if that preview image is really winsome and it's very clear transmission of value of like oh it's a five dollar thing it's a ten dollar thing i think the eververse has always failed in that regard it's not clear what you're buying it's like how much is it it's this but i might not get this but no it's i can buy this for silver they might experiment and make more money with direct purchase than they would for a battle pass an eververse pass uh let says a bit off topic i'm wondering why orb economy isn't being mentioned when talking about nerfing super generating exotics i understand uh as much as i understand the need for a nerf i think a more creative solution that doesn't hurt fun factor would be limiting or nullifying orb generation on those exotics I hear where you're coming from because I still think they're going to dominate what they're not what the reason for these nerfs is not so people stop using skull rigs and phoenix protocol okay you're still going to see a lot of skull phoenix protocol and orpheus rigs but it's going to allow them to build encounters that aren't nullified by those exotics they're creating a floor okay you're not going to suddenly look at all the available exotics for a warlock and determine that Phoenix Protocol and Skull suck. You're going to start running Apotheosis Veil. Now, you might run Crown Tempest, but like that Crown is feeding primarily, you know, Tickle Fingers, but you could run you could run Re- Chaos Reach, but it's not feeding Chaos Reach. So it's just like, I don't think a lot of the exotics are going to suddenly start getting representation. This is more about Bungie being able to create challenging environments that are not trivialized by exotics that just give you basically constant super so the orb generation is certainly going to be a part of it but again they're they're not trying to give you they're not trying to give you freedom in your loadout they're trying to give them freedom to design you know more more challenging environments so geomags maybe maybe but again, I still think people are going to see the value of Skull, Rigs, and Phoenix Protocol over, I would say most, I'm not saying all, most of the exotics in the game are still going to be just completely undervalued. Now, next week's TWAB, I'm recording this on May 24th, next week's TWAB, Cosmo may say, here's three or four exotics per class that are getting a bump, and you might decide they're better or more worth using. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, not Yasao says usually a raid launches later due to lore leading to it with the new raid launching day one do you think we will be we will get a patient zero type event leading up to it um yeah maybe I don't know that'd be cool that'd be pretty cool whispers from Callus about something going on in the Leviathan that'd be kind of neat JD Gamer hey Lono do you think uh, this will be the new thing Bungie does with raids put a light cap and do 24 hours no I hope not I think the launch time is related to bad leveling and they don't want everybody complaining about leveling for a week and a half so it's a small window for leveling and then it won't be as much of a topic. It'll still be a topic of complaint. Trust me. Reddit and the forums are still going to get salty after a couple weeks. People are still going to go complain about leveling being bad and enhancement cores. That just usually takes a while. So that's going to be but that's going to be shrunk as far as complaint. It's not going to be as dominating as watching streamers get frustrated for a week and a half while trying to level in raid prep. Even the most grin and bear at streamers that don't get that salty are still like obviously not happy about getting something that doesn't help them while leveling. Also, I think E3 is playing a part. So I don't think the 24-hour launch is going to become standard. I think that the 
contest modifier will become more standard and maybe even more used but the 24 hour launch window probably will not become standard because I think there's other things at play Dutch what uh, I was trying to pop my back what is the raid you've liked the most D1, D2 together Wrath of the Machine no question the single greatest piece of endgame content they have ever built Wrath of the Machine is perfect, even if you don't like it as much, even if nostalgia blinds you and makes you think that Vogue is better, okay? (laughs) Wrath of the Machine is perfect. Now, it still needs another encounter, I will admit that. I think if it had one extra encounter, it would literally be undeniably the best raid. On paper, it is better, hands down, many reasons it's better. Remove your experiential decision from it, remove your subjective nature from it, okay? The internal economy, the perks, the weapons, uh, the 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 internal economy that allows you to reroll armor, that allows you to open the extra chests. There is there are there are layers that makes Wrath stand above every other raid in the entire freaking game. Right? I'm not even talking about the experience and how it's clutchable and awesome and intense and artistically beautiful. I'm not even talking about that. Because we could talk about how good Wrath is with respect to being clutchable and making up the difference of losing people and people doing multiple things like running triple cannon, running, you know, running center by yourself in Vosik, etc. Okay? We're not even talking about that. I'm just saying on paper, on paper, Wrath is superior. Wrath is superior. Perks on the armor, perks on the guns, the the internal economy having multiple purposes of making keys to open up extra chests, re-rolling armor with the internal currency, the internal currency giving you a reason to run it more than three times a week. On paper, Wrath wins. More, It has more value points. It has more value points. Now, if you want to get into a discussion about the gear itself and Vogue and the experience and the appeal and the allure of Vogue, we can have that discussion and you can pick another raid. But on paper, Wrath has more value points in its favor. It has more things about it that are good that should be in every raid, right? Think about it like this. Think about it from another perspective. You can take things from Wrath and add it to every other raid. You can add all those things from Wrath. The internal currency, the re-rolling, the extra chests, the running the raid more than three times. You can take those four value points and you can add it to King's Fall, you can add it to Crota, you can add it to Vogue. And it would make all those raids better. That's why Wrath on paper is better. What are you going to take from Vogue logistically and add to Wrath? What? Nothing. They're equal, they're equal as far as having unique guns, unique perks on the guns, and unique perks on the armor. I'm talking on paper here, okay? Logistically speaking, there's nothing to take from Vog to, to shove into Wrath, but you can certainly take things from Wrath to add to all the other raids that's absent. Seriously, think about it from that perspective. Wrath wins. It's perfect. It's perfect. Right? It's perfect. They could take all those things and add those to... Okay, one thing that King's Fall could add to Wrath, I'll say this. The philosophy of di- of normal to hard in King's Fall is perfect because they designed hard first and then they scaled it down to normal, okay? They, 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 the philosophy of normal to hard in King's Fall is literally perfect. And if they would have done that in Wrath, Wrath changing from normal to hard wasn't quite enough wasn't quite enough but I'm telling you I'm telling you 
You can take all those value points of Wrath and you can shove it into every other raid in Destiny's history and it would make all those raids better. That is why Wrath wins without question. More value points on the board. You want to start talking about the fights themselves and the guns and everything else. That gets subjective. I'm talking just on paper. It has more value points. It has more bullet points listed on the dry erase board when you start writing it all down. The Druid Dan, do you think the location of Titan was underused as there could be more to do with that than year three? I mean, I don't really know. A lot of people have theories about Titan, you know, coming back and being used, but I, I don't, I just, I, I don't have much of an opinion on that. Uh, lights fading. Lono, why doesn't anyone take a team of six Rat Kings into a raid boss fight? It's a gun that insta-melts bosses as a primary, gives invisibility on kills, always makes me uh, Rat King kill videos later, and after the boss has been out for a while. I mean, people do that for fun, but I don't think it helps with, like, most meat and potatoes challenges. Majors and, and, and most bosses and most encounters don't let you get up close. Um... It's not, it's not universally efficacious. You're acting like it's an easy button in every fight, and it's not. It just isn't. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things in the game that doesn't give room for Rat King to shine. It's not, it's not an easy button in every encounter. So taking it in and acting like it would be, I think, would be a bit of a fool's errand. Once you understand the mechanics, once you know the rhythm of the fight and where the ads come from and where the majors come from, sure, you could take Rat King in and have a blast and kind of cheese the content. But when you first go in, you kind of want to go with what you know is, like, a hand cannon is going to kind of land on good ad management, a shotgun is going to be good for major busting, you know, and then a really good heavy. Those are a little bit more universal in what they can be used for. Rat King really narrows your efficiency, and if you go in blind, you don't know how good or bad it's going to be. It does. It doesn't. Rat King doesn't cast a wide net of efficiency the way that like a shotgun hand cannon, uh, you know, Thunderlord would or something. Uh, Thunderlord's not what it once was, but you get what I mean. JD Gamer, hey Lono, do you think with this new season we can see any changes to Crucible or at least people from Bungie talking about it? Uh, the line in the TWAB about as soon as the raid belts are awarded, they want to talk about a new era for Destiny. I think part of that's PvP. I think part of that's PvP. I don't think you're getting much in, in I don't think you're getting much Crucible changes in opulence I don't think so I don't think they would have I don't think they would have put that in the hands of vicarious visions I think once the raid belts are awarded and they start talking about the next era for Bungie and Destiny I think PvP is going to be a talk about that and Wheezy is saying Cosmo confirmed there's going to be a big PvP discussion in the summer there you go so I'm reading tea leaves and I don't have to Cosmo confirmed what I just said so opulence is not opulence is not the time for them to rework PvP uh, because Vicarious Visions designed it. I think it's going to be a revamp in September. I continue to say and predict and think they are going to go to bigger maps, okay? Bigger maps, bigger, bigger, like, big team battles because that, on its own, softens, softens the efficiency of so many of the weapons, the supers, and the heavies. That's where I think they're going. I think it's going to be the antithesis of D2's PvP launch. No more small map, 4v4 crap. It's going to be the antithesis of that. Big teams, 
big maps. That's what I think they're going toward. Um, and if they the people are like, oh, Trials is going to be playable at Guardian Con, they're going to bring back Trials. If they bring back Trials and it's just 3v3 Elim and it's on these it's on these maps we currently have, I don't see it going very long and strong. The thing that people picked up on, you start watching everybody posting their Trials like memories on Twitter. Dude, the maps were so, so good. <laughs> Some of D1's worst maps are better than most of the maps in D2. So they'd have to really, really go through and retool maps and retool the game mode if they're going to bring back a 3v3 Elim Trials. If they bring back Trials, I would think they could rebrand it, rename it, and make it very, very different than it's ever been. But even that's risky. Um, so I don't know what the future holds for Trials, but I still think PvP is going bigger. Heavy lifted. Uh, with the current, with the changes to the day one raid level scaling, what do you recommend we do to get ready? Use the raid prep command in chat and do the bounty stacking to kind of give yourself a, a, a juiced jump whenever you start with like rolling over ranks and stuff. Uh, Muskaska. I'm not sure if this was asked, but with the new Eververse and the TWAB, do you think they will lead into a season pass? For example, 15 a season or a premium annual pass for 60 that gets you all three season passes, you end up getting one for free. I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. I, getting into speculation about this isn't really helpful because I mean, we'll just have to wait and let them say what's going on um, because it's like, I don't know how the Eververse is informing your prediction. I think it'd be more likely for them to say, here's a, here's a bundled annual pass for 40 and then start doing some type of pass for the Eververse would be more likely since if they're not going to do Forsaken for 40, annual pass for 35. If that's not the monetization pattern in the fall, that's a lot of money they're not making. They're just going to get you into the next the next era of Destiny for 40 bucks. Well then that that's money that they're not making cuz they're not selling you the annual pass. It's just all bundled together. That could be a potential problem, but if they do that for 40 and then they do some type of a pass for the Eververse, I could see them doing that. Or I could be 100% wrong. Something could be landing in September for 40 and an annual pass follows it up for 30 again. I don't know. Dr. Killshot, what are your opinions on the TWAB's focus on raid prep and Eververse after the fervor caused by last week's TWAB? Well, I mean, next week, they made sure to say next week's going to be about some buffs and opulence. They like to talk about stuff closer to launch. That's been the pattern for a while now. Uh, Elbel, do you think Bungie would ever remount the old raid? Oh, like remaster the D1 raids. We have it on very good authority from people that have been in proximity with Bungie and even worked at Bungie that bringing D1 content forward is really difficult. I'd love it. If I could play Wrath on PC, I'd be in heaven. The increased FOV and frame rate would be just freaking awesome. And I miss those raids very, very much. Very, very much. They're very fun. Significantly better than every raid we've ever gotten in D2. But I don't think they can I don't think they're gonna do it. Uh for getting the loot, what would you add to the Taken King raid from Wrath of the Machine? I mean, I just said I would add the internal currency that lets me run it more than three times a week and actually get something for my time. That internal currency would let me re-roll armor. That internal currency would let me make keys to open chests for extra rolls. Um, the the guns were better in Wrath. King's Fall just didn't have very good guns. Most of the guns weren't very good. So I would say there were no unique perks on the King's Fall guns. So I would take unique perks from Wrath and shove them into King's Fall. You basically just got guns that you could kind of get elsewhere, right? 
You couldn't get Genis Chain anywhere else. You could get a scout rifle that was better than the scout rifle in Kingsfall. It was called uh, it was called a hung jury. It was better than the scout rifle. There were better pulse rifles than the pulse rifle in Kingsfall. But you couldn't get the Genesis chain anywhere else. You couldn't get the Chaos Dogma anywhere else. You, you Those were the only places you could get that. That's what I would take from Wrath and shove into Kingsfall. Kingsfall's loot was its biggest fault. The biggest detriment of Kingsfall was the loot wasn't that interesting. It looked amazing. Some of the coolest aesthetic like driven loot ever it looked like you killed a dinosaur and made your guns from the body parts of the dinosaur i love the look of all the king the king's fall loot but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't unique enough wasn't unique enough commander tyke if they brought back galahorn do you think people would be as excited for d1 or less because we already have great powerful exotics i think they're going to bring back the galahorn in september and i think people will get very excited uh, kids next door uh, kids next dorks <laughs> do you think the token system for Leviathan was Bungie's way of replicating the Wrath of Machine economy but making it too forgiving not allowing for loot packages outside the raid with our animals um no no and I'll tell you why I don't think this was their attempt to have an economy because the, the token system was everywhere The token system was on the planets. The token system was in Crucible. The token system was with the Vanguard. It was just one more NPC that needed a token system. I don't think it had anything to do with it. No. Commander Tyke, thank you for five months. I might have already said that. Thank you for half a year. Sacklops. (laughs) I like that name instead of Cyclops. It's Sack. Sacklops. That's funny. Do you think the Power Surge quest will be story lore leading to the raid? Seems to me it'll be story heavy, and that's why it's mandatory. I would think it's going to be at least interesting, but also short. You don't want to interfere with people's leveling, because people are trying to get ready. People are trying to jump into the raid. Uh, and if you make it long and arduous, that's uh, that's problematic, because people are wanting to get in there. People are wanting to get ready. So... Alright, that's the final question, and it's reset time. Zur is here, so let's go check Zur's inventory. So don't go anywhere if you're here live. If you've enjoyed this content, please click follow. That's a free way to support me. That's the heart button. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.